Can you believe, can you believe it, it was on this day back in 1989 that one of the most well-known TV shows first went to air, a show that is still on the air to this very day. Here to talk about that and more is our pop culture expert, Vicki Sparks, who joins us on Global News Radio. Vicki, The Simpsons turns the big 3-0-30 today. It sure does. It's an incredible achievement for a television series to have run this long. I mean, there are literally none that can compete with it outside of, like, Sesame Street. Yeah, true. It just celebrated its 50th, of course. So, uh, I know you're not, uh, full disclosure. Full disclosure, A huge fan. Are my pop culture blind spot. Everyone has one. I was forbidden to watch them when I was little. My mom thought Bart was far too rude for my gentle, delicate sensibilities. So I never picked them up as a kid. You know, little did Mama Sparks know, and knowing you the way I do, you could have taught Bart Simpson a few things, I think. Uh, Shh, don't tell my secrets. Mama Sparks could be listening. So if I said to you, don't. You, All right. Well, there, you know are, that? there are certain things that have permeated the culture to such a degree that <laughs> okay. even I know them. And I've probably watched an episode or two over the years, but I'm, I'm still pretty afraid of my mom. So I still don't watch them on a regular like basis. Like if I said, do you want to go to Moe's? It's the bar. It is the bar. Very good. Bar. Thank okay. you. So what do you think the secret uh, recipe has been here, the secret to its success? Because, yeah, not every show makes it, never mind three years, uh, or never mind 30, make it even three years. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think actually what my mother hated about it, it's kind of rude factor, is the secret to its success. Because you have to remember when this started 30 years ago, people were being much more polite on TV. I mean, it really was scandalous that Bart Simpson was this 10-year-old, you know, rude little boy who, who talked said, Eat back my to his shorts. parents. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that was, you know, headline news back in 1989. Not a lot else was going on. So I think that that, that scandal factor partnered with the fact that it there's a nostalgia to it because it's been going on for so long. It's just one of those things that's become part of the culture, whether you watch it or not. Well, this is the thing, because I think some fans, some real ardent Simpsons fans will say maybe mm-hmm. the show has kind of jumped the shark and has sure. worn out its welcome. But when you look at particularly, I'm just going to say the first 10 years. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just phenomenal, some of that comedy. Some of the writing is just yeah. in the satire. is just so good. Absolutely. And I mean, listen, any anything that lasts 30 years is going to ebb and flow in quality. I mean, it, it would be impossible for it not to. But it's really maintained a certain level of quality, even, you know, in seasons where it's gone a little bit off the rails, that has keep, kept fans engaged and kept them watching it and now is at the point where they want to pass it down to their kids right the the people who were watching it as 10 year old boys secretly at night under the covers are passing it down to their kids now and it's a real bonding moment for them and it's been a great thing for canadians in particular a lot of canadians have worked on the simpsons i'm thinking of tim long in particular who uh, i think he became the executive producer for a little while from exeter uh, ontario uh, he's played a big role, and so many other people have come through The Simpsons that we all know and love, including Conan O'Brien. Absolutely. Maybe maybe most famously to kind of go through as one of the writers and, and leave and go off on his own career. But yeah, I mean, speaking of Canadians, what, what The Simpsons did was so interesting. It really had its finger on kind of the pulse of the zeitgeist for the last 30 years. If something was happening in the news, if somebody was making a fool of themselves, be it celebrity, politician, whoever, you knew and you still know within a couple of weeks. That's going to end up on an episode of The Simpsons, and you'll be able to get their take on it. 
All right. Uh, meantime, let's get your take on streaming services, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, and Netflix. Uh, we're hearing that the uh, liberal government, the federal government, Vicky, uh, wants to force these streaming services to show a little more Canadian content. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think it's a good idea in theory. I think it's going to be hard to put into practice, much like the concept of Canadian content itself is. So if you don't know, Canadian content are the rules uh, enforced on broadcast and radio that a certain percentage of their content has to be strictly Canadian. And there are different guidelines as to what that means. But for TV, that means that they have to be headed by a Canadian production, basically a producing team um, that is or, or house that is strictly Canadian. Right now, Bell, Global, uh, CTV, everybody has to pay into uh, a media fund to Mm -hmm. help with the creation of more Canadian content. Netflix, Amazon, all of those guys are getting away with not having to pay into it. Not paying into that fund and not having to put a certain amount of Canadian content on their streaming services. So now the government is saying perhaps we need these streaming services to highlight the Canadian content that they are showing, that they've licensed, and or start contributing to this fund and start putting more money into the creation of Canadian content. I think that so often where Canadian content goes wrong is that we don't have as much money to compete with big American productions. And so the look isn't quite right. And it just isn't quite there because where they may have, you know, $10 million an episode, we have one. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't look the same. So I think that if these big streamers start dumping money in, it can only help the quality of the productions that we can put on here in Canada. Um, and I think it's only fair that they have to highlight part of the you know the cultural experience here in Canada and the Canadian content that's being created because a lot of it is really fantastic so how difficult is this to do really because you know when we look at radio and music our friends next door at Q107 Mm -hmm. they've got to play I think it's 33% CanCon it's always been right around 30 33% yeah that's why every third song you hear is (laughs) Saga I love Saga by the way or it's Triumph it's Kim Mitchell and that sort of thing uh, what's wrong with saying to, say, Netflix, uh, every third movie that uh, you look at uh, as a possibility to stream, not saying that you have to stream it, but yeah. it has got to be Canadian content, and you decide that by the director, the amount of stars that are Canadian, yeah. uh, the producers, that sort of thing. I mean, I think, it's a, I think it's an excellent argument. I think what they have to look at more right now for television, the rules on what counts as Canadian content are quite um, particular, and they don't necessarily make sense. So you can look at a show like The Handmaid's Tale, which is based on a book by Margaret Atwood, Canadian, films in Toronto, which is in Canada, (laughs) and, uh, you know, employs a predominantly Canadian crew and a large part of the cast. It doesn't count as a Canadian production because it's headed up by an American producing team. So there's all of these kind of legal loopholes where certain things don't count and other things do. So I think they have to look at making it more inclusive. Canada has a booming film and television industry right now, but the majority of what we're making is going south of the border, and we don't get to kind of claim it as our own. Maybe we need some sort of standardization. I know in music, they've got a thing called, like, Maple, which is uh, music, artist, production, and I forget what the L is uh, for. (laughs) Oh, lyrics, uh, perhaps. So if the lyrics are written uh, by a Canadian and the producer's Canadian, all you need is two out of four, and that qualifies as a Canadian production. Yeah, exactly. Right now in in television and film, it's you kind of get extra points for having a Canadian writer or a Canadian cast or, or whatnot, but it doesn't qualify you. So I think the whole program as a whole needs to be looked at. We need to make it work for Canadians because right now, 
as opposed to the music industry, where we have made bona fide Canadian stars out of lots of people who have benefited greatly from the CanCon regulations. Sure. You know, Avril Lavigne, Michael Bublé, Celine Dion, Brian Adams, all of those are homegrown Canadian stars who have managed to cross over to the States. Um, but you see it less with Canadian television shows. Schitt's Creek is a great example. It has managed mm-hmm. to cross over. But outside of that, in the last decade, it would be hard to name more than one or two that's made any real impact. And on top of that, I just saw yesterday some facts coming out of uh, Netflix because they're very secretive when it comes mm-hmm. to their subscriber base and revenues. But the they estimates sure were that uh, I think just last year alone it was 600 million dollars they took out of uh, Canada? Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. And I mean, they agreed a couple of years ago to put $500, $500 no, $500 million <laughs> into Canadian content. And that's kind of all they've said. They haven't said how, they haven't said where, they haven't said it will be these shows here and this is how we're spending it. It's just kind of this vague offer. But I mean, there are great, talented writers, directors, producers who have Canadian stories to tell who could greatly benefit from that money. For sure. Uh, finally, I wanted to ask you about this a deal that went down around this time uh, yesterday. This is a $2.8 billion deal in which a London, England-based theater chain uh, known as Cineworld, has uh, acquired Cineplex, the Toronto-based uh, cinema chain. This purchase uh, makes Cineworld now North America's largest cinema chain. What, if anything, is this going to mean, you think, for moviegoers? Well, I think it can mean a couple of interesting things. But to be honest, for the average moviegoer, it's not going to mean much. Um, just that Cineplex is owned by somebody new. But what it does is it makes Cineplex, which has about a 75% monopoly in Canada, so it's everywhere, It makes them more powerful because they are now part of this giant chain of theaters across North America as opposed to being out on their own. And the fight that theater owners find themselves in these days is about how long they can have something in theaters before it starts streaming at home Um, because they want there to be a much bigger window in between when you can see it in theaters and when you can see it from the comfort of your couch so that people are motivated to go and see it in theaters. Theaters are hurting right now, right? We do have that lure of our couch and the lure of Netflix and Amazon Prime and all of it, and they have to figure out a way to get our butts to the theater, and that exclusivity is really the only thing they've got going for them right now other than exorbitant prices for popcorn. So I think it's going to give them a little bit more power when it comes to negotiating with uh, the big streamers because they've got all of these chains behind them. Another interesting thing to consider is that Cineworld in the U.K. offers an unlimited pass, we don't have anything in Canada right now that oh, offers Oh, like a this. yearly pass. I can see as many movies yeah, as I so want. if you sign up for a year, and again, these are UK prices. I have no idea if they're going to do it here or if it would be comparable. But for about 30 Canadian dollars a month, you can see unlimited movies on their pass as long as you agree to pay that for a year. So 30 bucks a month, that's two tickets to a movie. So if you see more than two movies a month, it would make sense to try that. And then maybe you're seeing a movie every weekend just because you can. All I want to know is the popcorn going to get cheaper? You get 10% off in the UK if you're a member. So maybe. Here's the thing. I want cheaper popcorn out of this. And I also don't want to be charged for the layering of the butter. Ah, uh, boy. Oh, You're man. aiming too high. I got sucked into no. that a while. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. When the, uh, they said, would you like your butter layered? I'm like, sure, that sounds good. Next thing I look at well, my bill, it's a three. who are you, a king? Who needs their butter layered? <laughs> it's a $3 upcharge <laughs> to layer my butter. I got suckered. Yeah, uh, man. You should have asked for the ladle and did it yourself for free. Oh, <laughs> going rogue. I like it.